0: Well, it seems like uh, everyone wants it, everyone denies its existence, and everyone fights against it, and it's called the truth. As believers, truth, reason, logic, science, these things have been important to us long before the God of truth commanded in Leviticus 19.11, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. But surprise, surprise, this is not a problem that the modern world has conquered. Francesca Francesca Gino at Harvard Business School has studied dishonesty extensively. She's been called one of the world's top 40 business professors under 40, and one of the world's 50 most influential management thinkers. In June, it was reported that the dishonesty expert was being investigated for falsifying data in four scientific published studies Including one on honesty and one on how cheaters may be more creative. Well, whether Gino or her accusers are lying, you have to wonder when you hear the title of one of her best selling books Rebel Talent Why It Pays to Break the Rules at Work and in Life. Don't worry, the book is evidence based. Gino is now apparently on administrative leave from Harvard. Let me say some words that will bring all kinds of things to your mind. Misinformation. That's information that isn't, right? It's uh, uh, something false presented as something true, right? Uh, Disinformation. That's a newer word. It was popularized in the Soviet Union and came from Russian into English. So this is uh, lies specifically intended to deceive. So that's disinformation. And there's one more malinformation. Malinformation is the worst. It's something shared intentionally in order to cause harm. And uh, originally I thought that this word referred to lies, and it can, but it can also refer to something that you share that is true that causes harm, at least according to whoever's making the rules. What was that? Well, you ask an excellent question, but anyway, that's how they use the word. (laughs) <laughs> well, the irony, the, the irony is that each one of these words is often used in order to deceive, right? So whatever side of any debate you're on, you've probably heard this, these words used of the other side. Well, I wanted to take a, a closer look at one particular verse and its context to see if I could get a better understanding of deception from a biblical point of view. So kind of a big picture point of view. So that verse is Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Romans 1.18. Now, you may have studied this chapter before. I hope you have. But we're going to uh, uh, focus on one tiny part of it, specifically thinking about deception. So go ahead and look this up in Romans 1 so you can see this for yourself. Romans chapter 1. So Paul is just starting his great overview of the good news of Jesus Christ, right? Uh, in verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So that's kind of a summary of where he's going in the book, but he's going to start with the problem. So brace yourself because this is kind of a dark topic. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. God is angry, wrathful. There's a common misconception that God just kind of uh, lets things take their course, right? You just experience the natural consequences of your decisions as if God isn't in control of those natural consequences. But no, there's something more here. Jesus presents God's wrath as his default attitude against sinful humanity. John 3:36. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. See, God's wrath is not God losing his temper. It's not a sudden passion. It remains, as Jesus says, because it is a steady burning hatred of all that is evil and destructive. God will never someday decide that evil wasn't so bad after all, or uh, he can't be convinced or influenced to ignore sin, or bribed to let someone go free. In Revelation chapter 6, we hear about the wrath of the Lamb. Jesus, the Lamb of God himself, actively administers justice, treading the winepress of the fury of the wrath of of God the Almighty. That's Revelation chapter 19. God's active anger and condemnation against that which is evil and destructive against sinners is good according to the Bible. In fact, Paul rightly suggests in Romans 9.22 that God wants to show us His wrath and judgment. He wants to reveal this good part of His nature. Now, we might be in favor of other people's crimes being punished. But in the end, this teaching of God's anger is hard for us to accept because sinners, people who have broken God's law, we are the recipients of his condemnation. That is, without Christ, right? Because there is good news. If we're united with Christ, we escape God's anger but this truth can be terrifying. You might remember uh, when Paul was standing before Felix, who was the Roman governor of Judea between 52 and 60 AD. Acts 24 25 says, and as he, Paul, reasoned about righteousness and self-control in the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, uh, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. He was terrified. So, Why is God angry and wrathful? According to Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. That's the inclusive use of the word men. So the great mass of humanity, men, women, children. God is angry against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Paul reminds us in Galatians 3.10 that we are required... To obey God completely, if we have disobeyed even once, we're under a curse. That is, without Christ. But anyway, here it is the summary of all the lies and deception that we see in the world today. Men who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. This is the natural bent of humanity and what God hates. People try to suppress, silence, stifle, smother. Crush, hinder, hold back, marginalize, cancel, push away, restrain the truth. This is what we need to understand in the society in which we live. The world's great progressive project, the ultimate conspiracy, don't be afraid of that word because if it fits anywhere, it fits here, is twofold. Oops. We can do it. Hey, there we go. So number one, to suppress the truth. And second, and in some ways part of the first, is to justify ourselves. That is, we want to hide the fact that we are rightly under God's wrath and even deny right and wrong, and then ironically, we want to prove that all this is the right thing to do. In John chapter 8... A group of people believed in Jesus, but by the end of the chapter, they were picking up stones to throw at him. What in the world triggered them? I'll tell you. Jesus said that they needed to be set free from sin, and that was the one thing they could not bear to hear. We're already free, they thought. Well, that's a summary of all history and a summary of this year people make themselves the judges and declare themselves innocent. So now, before we uh, take our look at the world's lies, please remember this. Today, as believers, clothed in the the perfect life of the Lord Jesus, forgiven of our sin, we still sometimes like to grab the old rags. We're still tempted to deceive. So the Holy Spirit still has to remind us in Ephesians 4.25 to put away falsehood and speak the truth. We're not innocent here. But today we're going to look at how this truth suppression actually happens in the world because we're also its victims, right? We we sometimes feel like we're in a canoe tossed this way and that randomly in the rapids. The previous verse in Ephesians 4 tells us that we need to grow up in Christ so that we may no we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So let's look at seven ways in which people suppress the truth. And I, I encourage you to take note of these seven things. And my challenge to you is to watch and listen for these things throughout the week because these things are in the background of what is going on all the time. were darkened so number 1 they refuse to honor and thank god they refuse to honor and thank god that's how it starts they don't recognize god's kindness and mercy every moment we breathe every everything we have is thanks to a merciful god we don't deserve it and yet we don't ever thank god and honor him that's a lie it's a lie that everything we have is somehow because of ourselves I mean, goodness, we can't even make ourselves start to exist, never mind anything else. Uh, The next one is related, or maybe kind of next in the logical progression. They no longer acknowledge God. So they pretend that the true God doesn't exist. And without God, all of a sudden, nothing really makes sense. Listen to Paul express his desire for the believers in Laodicea and Colossae. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. We can fall for plausible, but false arguments ultimately we avoid being deluded being scammed in christ himself he is the source of all wisdom and knowledge art science economics math whatever it is it all makes sense in him it all comes together in him it all begins and it ends in him Number two on our list here is rapidly happening in Mexico and changing the landscape. When we first went to Mexico uh, quite a few years ago, pretty much everyone, uh, kids, teens, adults, would say that they believed in God. Uh, Now, hardly anyone ever went to church, but they would say they believed in God. But now, we're seeing a new generation which is completely pushing God out, or at least trying to. And that is such a drastic and rapid change. I don't think any of us ministering in Mexico are really ready for it. Every philosophy without God is a never-ending la- labyrinth. Science without God ends in confusion. Government without God ends in tyranny. And remember that if it's always my truth versus your truth, the strongest bully wins, right? Right? As you say, there is only truth and truth that doesn't depend on me that tr- that's transcendent, that's the only thing that it can actually level the playing field because it's accessible to all of us, right? So anyway, they don't thank God and they no longer acknowledge him and then they claim to be wise. They claim to be wise. So now they've removed God as the ultimate authority. They must claim that they are wise and trustworthy. And in Romans 1.22, claiming to be wise, they became What? fools. You've heard of the logical fallacy, uh, commonly called appeal to authority, right? Um, Appeal to authority doesn't mean that every expert is wrong, but it's when you're supposed to accept what they say as truth just because they're a supposed expert or authority, right? And we easily fall for this. Why? Because someone with a lie will tell you that you just don't understand, right? You haven't read the right books, you, you don't know what this term or that term means, and then when you figure it out, the definition changes. Or you'll simply be shamed for what you believe, or cancelled, or shouted down, because this isn't real wisdom. It, it can't stand up to or survive real investigation because it's built on a false foundation. So so what do people do with this false wisdom? It has no ultimate logic. It's just a clever way to avoid the truth. They have to deny what is plain and clearly perceived, as it says in verses 19 and 20. So they have to try to make the world fit their lie. So number four, they create a false world. They create a false world. So let's look at Romans 1:22, Claiming to be wise... They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So if if God isn't the creator and ultimate authority, it must be something in this world, or at least in this universe, right? Or, uh, so we make something in this world God, or the world itself, or some human leader, or ourselves, or uh, we think of something like science and technology as our savior. Here's a reason why there's such a push today for digital technology. And it's not all bad, we're using it right now, of course. But it is useful for creating a false world. Uh, Facebook had a shaky start with this, with Meta and their Metaverse. Um, But another example is an online computer game called Fortnite, with its 83 million regular players, which is giving users more and more freedom to create their world and their character and be whatever they want to be, And some people want to live their entire life in that world. So the more people can make the digital world their reality, in online gaming or social media or movies and entertainment or whatever it is, the more they can try to create a false world in which sin has no consequences and God's purpose for them can be changed. And the more others with digital control can manipulate us into a false imaginary world. Now, a false world has to be built on half-truths. It can't be 100% false, or it wouldn't work even temporarily. So it needs to be kind of propped up by a few truths, like a scaffold. And this is why people use biblical words like love to describe something that's not loving. Or they'll use a negative word to describe something good. Um, A classic example. The Israelites in Exodus, they wanted their own idol that they could manipulate and control and they gave their idol a name, Yahweh, Jehovah. That's what they called the golden calf that they worshipped. Exodus 32, 5. They claimed it was Yahweh, the Lord, who saved them from slavery. A false world, but with a little bit of truth. So we can't expect lies in this false world to be 100% lies. And that's, it's almost, almost always a mix and that's what makes it so confusing. So they don't thank God. Then they try to ignore him. Then they justify themselves as being very wise, creating a false world, lies mixed with truth, in which their wisdom makes sense. And of course, this leads to number five. They worship and serve creation. They worship and serve creation. They still need an authority in this false world, something to unite everything together to make their rebellion a little more effective. Every false religion worships and serves creation, even if it's just something like, I'll decide what's true, what's good. Making ourselves the ultimate authority instead of God's word. Or maybe our own desires come first. We're just slaves to our own wants, our own comfort, our own entertainment. Number six, they practice and approve of unrighteousness. So you see there's kind of a vicious circle here. People are unrighteous, unjust, and so they want to suppress the truth, and so they do it using their unrighteousness. And it's even better if other people agree with you. So people try to create a a consensus or even a false consensus around the lies by approving of other people's lives and evil. So sin must be promoted. Listen to the end of the chapter this is really interesting Romans 1:28 And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness evil covetousness malice they are full of envy murder strife deceit maliciousness they are gossips slanderers haters of God insolent haughty boastful inventors of evil disobedient to parents foolish faithless heartless ruthless though they know God's uh, righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them so we feel a little bit better if lots of people agree with us number seven they try to ignore the coming judgment they try to ignore the coming judgment We still know that there's a judgment. Our creation of a false world, our worship of creation, uh, safety in numbers, it's all for nothing. We still know that we'll be judged and judged by a holy God. Um, The idea of suppressing the truth has been compared to having a beach ball at the beach, beach and trying to push it under the water, right? It takes a lot of work to keep it down and, you know, you have to concentrate and then what happens? It pops up again. Right, it takes energy and concentration to constantly suppress the truth, and it's in the end, it's all for nothing. So what's left? Try to ignore it, uh, justify ourselves again, push the truth down again. Try to enjoy your brief life. The fool in Jesus' parable said, "Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry." But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? The scoffers in Second Peter say, Where is the promise of his coming, the Lord's coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook that the world was judged with a flood and that it is now being saved for the judgment of fire when not only will the world be destroyed and remade but the ungodly will be destroyed. So that's just a quick summary of how the world attempts to, to suppress the truth and promote the lie. And if we can listen for these things it will help us to evaluate information from a biblical point of view. But now as a practice run Let's look at a quick example of what this looks like in a religious context Okay. The Pharisees in Jesus' day uh, were mostly unbelievers, but with a strict religious life. They were Jewish leaders And they dishonored the Father, God the Father, by rejecting God the Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God That's number one. They decided which of God's word words to accept because they stole his authority and became the judges, number two and number three and they became their own gods in a sense, number five so we get to John chapter 7 and Jesus is teaching in the temple and he's explaining that he's teaching the truth, God's word Um, that truth was out of the control of the religious leaders as all truth is because truth is fact, it's not dependent on any group of people so Jesus had to be silenced They sent some of the Levite security guards to arrest Jesus, but the Levite officers started listening to Jesus. That's always a dangerous thing to do. And they realized that this was no ordinary man. So listen to what happened. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. Now, watch how the Pharisees continue to suppress the truth. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? That's number three, right? We're wise. You're not. You've been listening to disinformation. Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? (laughs) Uh, We the authorities are wise. We know the facts. You don't. They claim to be wise, number three. They create a false world, number four. And in a sense, they worship themselves. They continue. But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Don't believe the ignorant, sinful masses. This is an insult, (laughs) right? You belong to this group, so you don't know anything. Now, Nicodemus, a respected religious leader, is going to try to push back a little bit. This is verse 50 of John 7. Nicodemus, who had gone to him, who had gone to Jesus before, and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? So what's he saying? Well, let's reason and discuss and observe and and let's talk about this. See, so far, the Pharisees opposing Jesus haven't explained what Jesus has said that isn't true. They've simply appealed to authority, marginalized and canceled those who believe in Christ, and at the same time, They use a logical fallacy by appealing to the group. Look, we all know that Jesus is not a prophet. Why? That's a false consensus, because some of them actually were believers. Verse 52, they replied to Nicodemus, are you from Galilee too? That's another insult. Uh, The Galileans I uh, didn't really have the right political opinions. They were too influenced by the Gentiles. That silly province has fallen for what Jesus is saying. Surely you're not like them. So Nicodemus is accused of bias. They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. And that is their only argument against Jesus' teaching. No prophet arises from Galilee. Now, if they're saying that no prophet had ever come from Galilee, that's just not true. But they might be saying that the coming Messiah wouldn't come from Galilee, which is partly true. Because according to the prophet, the Messiah would be born where? Bethlehem. That's right. So that's in the south. That's in Judah. But uh, Isaiah 9 also talks about the Messiah coming to the north, to Galilee of the Gentiles. So, Both those things were true of Jesus. So this is either misinformation or disinformation or both. I don't know. But they sound so intelligent, don't they? But truth mixed with lies is very unstable and it will never last. Listen, the lies of this world are worse and more subtle and more universal than we realize. And our own temptation to falsehood is stronger than we realize, right? But the Bible gives us light. So what should we do? Well, basically the opposite of all those seven things. Where Romans 3 says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. We must fear and honor God. Uh, Romans eleven twenty. So do not become proud, but fear. So we, we don't just exalt ourselves as the smart ones. No, we we humbly acknowledge our own sin before the Lord. We ask for his mercy on us and on others. Someday, all hypocrisy will be laid bare, will be on full display, but there is forgiveness in Christ. That's, That's what we invite people to. We don't invite people just to truth and condemnation. We invite them to truth and hope, because in Christ, truth is hope. Because we love Christ, we choose to love truth. And that is all truth. Because Jesus is not just Lord of Sundays, but Mondays. Jesus is not just Lord of some vague spiritual truth or some good values. He is Lord of math and science and language and your workplace and your home and government and institutions and politics and petroleum and computer systems and agriculture and your body and the stars in the sky. Jesus is Lord of all truth because Jesus is Lord of all. But truth is not obvious or easy to find in this world. So we need to be patient with ourselves and with others. I love uh, Proverbs twenty-three, twenty-three. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. It costs to find and hold to the truth. Thank and honor God, acknowledge Him, find truth and wisdom in Christ, in the real world, recognize that God is God and His creation is His creation. Practice and approve of true righteousness, true goodness, and live in the truth that judgment is coming and warn others that the truth will triumph. Well, this is only an introduction, but we need to realize that in the Bible, we really do have the tools that we need for today's world. And the Spirit really is with His people today. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we do not want to be outwitted by Satan because we are not ignorant of His designs. But as it says in Romans sixteen twenty, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So we look to Him in every part of our lives because he is the truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for not leaving us in darkness. In this world of of lies and falsehood and deception, you've given us a solid foundation and you sent your son to be the light and the truth in this world and to forgive us for living in the lie. How can we thank you for your kindness? I pray that all of us here would be aware of the schemes of the devil in this world so that we would shine the light in every area of our lives. Father, give us courage and strength and peace in your Son and his gospel. We want to know him more in his truth, and we pray in his name. Amen.